This is The Space Shot, episode 185 for November 15th, 2017. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. I forgot to mention in the closing of yesterday's episode that I was going to be talking about the only Soviet orbiter today as well. The first two pieces of space history I've got are quick, so let's dive into those so we can talk about the ill-fated Soviet orbiter. The NASA SASB, or Small Astronomy Satellite 2, as it's also known, was launched on November 15, 1972. This small science satellite housed a few instruments, one of which was a charged particle telescope to study the heavens in the X-ray, gamma-ray, ultraviolet, and infrared spectra. The launch of this satellite is unique since it launched from a small platform I had never heard of until I was looking into this mission. The Luigi Broglio Space Center is an Italian complex that's located in Kenya. This center has facilities for satellite communications on the ground in Kenya, as well as an offshore launching site known as the San Marco Platform. There were numerous launches at this complex, starting in the early 1960s and continuing through the late 80s. I'll revisit this launch center in late December. On this day in 1990, the space shuttle Atlantis took off on a classified mission for the U.S. Department of Defense. The nature of classified launches means that information on payloads is based on conjecture and unconfirmed reporting in a lot of instances. Speaking of classified missions, SpaceX is launching the Zuma mission on Thursday, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this episode on the day it airs. I'm linking to the live stream in the show notes, and I'll be sharing a link on Facebook and Twitter as well. The launch is going to be great since the Falcon 9 first stage is coming back to land at Cape Canaveral at Landing Zone 1. SpaceX just confirmed the launch date change this morning, so if there's any other changes, I'll update here. Now for the Buran. The development of this spacecraft proceeded along a different path than the American Space Shuttle program. While our STS was built in a time of shrinking budgets, the Buran was created by political pressures from the Soviet state since they feared the space shuttle provided America with a fast-strike military platform, even though NASA was a civilian agency. A Soviet decree in early 1976 mandated that there should be development on a reusable space transportation system. Work secretly progressed over the following 12 years, in stark contrast to the very public space shuttle development and testing. During the development phase of the shuttle, the Soviets created an aerodynamic analog that could be used to validate the aerodynamics of the design. Unlike the Enterprise, which was carried aloft by a 747, the OK-GLI had four jet engines mounted at the rear of the aircraft. This allowed the analog to take off under its own power for test flights. A quick note on the name of the project and orbiter. The name Buran can be translated to a, quote, powerful blizzard that comes from the north. There's other translations, but it's generally translated as a snowstorm or blizzard, even a sandstorm in the summer months that can reach gale force winds. The shuttle made it to orbit thanks to the super heavy lift vehicle called Energia. The Energia flew twice, once during a cargo test, and for a second and final time on November 15, 1988. 
the Energia Buron lifted off for the first and only time 29 years ago today. This short flight saw the shuttle make two orbits of Earth for a total of 206 minutes of flight time. The orbiter touched down successfully in a 38 mile an hour crosswind only 9 feet or so from the center line of the runway. There were no cosmonauts on board to control the orbiter. It landed in a pretty severe crosswind completely automatically. The Buran was designed to fly automated unlike the shuttle, which was one of the many advantages of this spacecraft. Sadly, the story of the Russian space shuttle ends here. The single successful launch wasn't followed on by the Soviets for other flights, even though there was a second orbiter under construction with plans for a third as well. The orbiters and mock-ups were pretty much abandoned after the cancellation of the program and the fall of the Soviet Union. The Buran that flew into space had a very sad fate. It was destroyed in 2002 when a hangar collapsed, killing eight workers and destroying the only Soviet shuttle to fly into space. I'm linking to an article on Ars Technica by Eric Berger from July of this year. He has a great piece on the shuttle, and there's also a link to a video of two YouTubers who broke into the Kazakhstan spaceport to get a close-up look at the abandoned orbiter. Pictures and high-quality video of the launch and landing of the Buran are difficult to come by, so if you want a good look at the orbiter, I would suggest taking a look at the video in the Ars Technica piece that I'm linking to in the show notes. The legacy of the Buran program is the single flight of the orbiter and the two launches of the Energia rocket. The program was the largest and most expensive Soviet space program, quote, more than 1,200 enterprises and organizations and almost 100 ministries and departments participated in its creation. As a result, using mobilization economics methods, the Soviet state produced the Energia launch vehicle, which in terms of its capabilities had no rivals in the world, since the Americans had halted work on the Saturn V Super Heavy launch vehicle after the lunar expeditions. The Energia Super Heavy launch vehicle offered cosmonautics the broadest of possibilities. That excerpt was from Rockets and People by Boris Chertok, a Soviet and Russian rocket designer that authored a four-volume book titled Rockets and People, which is an interesting source on the Soviet space program. The cancellation of the Buran program meant that the Energia rocket never gave cosmonautics the broadest of possibilities, just two flights. A sad end for an incredible machine. Since you're here, why don't you let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review in iTunes. It takes just a minute to do that, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Just search The Space Shot or The Cosmosphere Podcast in iTunes and click subscribe. That way you don't miss any episodes. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or click the link in the show notes. Tomorrow, an ISS assembly mission and an interesting Goodwill launch. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>